Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. It's movie talk time, and we have some breaking news for you. Is Millie Bobby Brown in The Eternals? We will discuss that in addition to The Lion King first reactions. And then on top of that, we are also talking about a Momo movie. Yes, there is a Momo movie in development. We are going to talk about that. But, of course, the big thing today is that breaking news that good old Dorian pointed our attention towards today. It is Millie Bobby Brown possibly joining the MCU. And I get to talk about that story Mm. with Simon and Roca. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey, how are you? You? you survived. You I survived know. the Disney premiere. So tired. So tired. Yes. <laughs> oh, That's wah. what the water is for. <laughs> we will all recover. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this first story, because we have a big lineup today, mm. is this eternal story. So the reason everybody's talking about it right now is because Variety ran a big feature on the MCU's plans at San Diego Comic-Con. And in their big piece, they wrote a little something about Eternals. I'm going to read it to you now. They said that... Chief among the projects that they're bringing and they're showing off there is The Eternals, a series about godlike alien beings to be adapted by indie director Chloe Zhao. And then they go on to list the cast. And of course, they say Angelina Jolie, Kumail Nanjiani, Richard Madden. And then they say Stranger Things lead Millie Bobby Brown. It had been rumored that she was going to join the project for a little while. But if... If they slipped like this, I am inclined to believe that the deal is done. This cast will be present, hopefully, at San Diego Comic-Con that Saturday during the panel. Mm. One, what do you guys think? Do you think this is the real deal now? We can take this as, you know, as close to a confirmation from the studio as possible. And then also, what do you think about this being her next big step in the industry? I like it. It it certainly um, falls in line with Stranger Things character. They're moving things, whatever. She could be playing Sprite, which is a real possibility. Although that's a male character, they could change the gender. Sprite is on a television, a children's television show, a young adult television show on the 2006 series of Eternals. So that's a possibility here. Certainly fits for her age and her look. It's it's all all works overall, and I like the idea of getting Millie Bobby Brown involved with this cast. If you look at Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, like oh, it's just a good uh, eclectic cast of actors, and I like her being part of it. Um, my concern will be how much of a part will she have on the film, and how much will she drive the narrative of the film. So true or not? What side are you falling on with that? You think it's real? Oh, I think it's real, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she, she's a very good choice. She's kind of a safe choice when it comes to casting. But, you know, you mentioned that yeah, character. she's had the powers. And yeah, it's, it's, things, it's yeah. kind of samey to what we've seen with, with, with Stranger Things yeah. before. But another possible character is Cersei. 
uh, who's one of the Eternals, mm. who, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Little Mermaid. She really wants to be part of the human world. That's a possibility mm. as well. And she also, she there's an involvement with her in the storyline in the, in the comics, from what I understand, uh, where she crosses paths with Captain America. Yeah. So if they're looking to build this up as something, we could possibly see her and the new Cap that tying in together. That character also sounds like it could be in line with just the Eleven field. Yeah. You yeah. know, she's an outcast to the extent that she has those special powers that nobody Absolutely. else has, mm-hmm. but she's, you know, learning to fit in with everybody. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I think if that is, if either of these yeah. roles, it, huh. it's, it, it, she's a really good fit for either of them. I think she's a good fit for just about anything. Sure. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I know it's easy to almost roll your eyes at a really young actor who had some, like, like meteoric rise to fame and everything, and now she's producing movies and all this other stuff, but she's so talented. Yeah. Every single season yeah. of Stranger Things I see, she grows, she just spreads her wings even more, she yeah. flexes those acting muscles, mm-hmm. and she really has it. She has that innate ability to just capture your attention no matter what's going on around her on screen. So mm-hmm. I really think just about any project out there would be lucky to have her. Absolutely. The, my only concern with this, though, is the fact that because it is so similar to Stranger Things, she was horribly underused in Godzilla. Mm-hmm. She really didn't have a lot to play mm-hmm. with. I'm really keen. I like her stuff. I really like the work that she's done but I really would like to see her doing something that is a little bit different to really getting to spread those wings yeah that's exactly yeah that's, but exactly, I'll take what her yeah, that's exactly what I was saying is how much will she drive the yeah. narrative you know and you know those Brits they can be pretty smart when they put their minds what? to things yes yeah, Simon it's true <laughs> those Brits so to see her producing stuff being on top of stuff yeah. I'm not surprised she's such a self-composed woman she's already dealt with the backlash of being a, a female in the social media world yeah. and has dealt with it well and fought back from it so this is a this is a younger way ahead of her years so to see her stepping into this I'm with Simon give her a bigger role if you're going to put her in this ensemble she has to stand out in some way and drive the narrative I think it's really important I would be shocked if they cast her in a movie like this and didn't give her a big role but Me then too. again as I say that we are talking about the MCU they're mm. teeing up mm. new things for phase four so for any one of these characters it could be a small role now with the hopes that it will continue and get bigger Certainly. as the franchise goes along and she is very young she's got plenty of years ahead yeah. of her in the industry so you know I think this is really just the beginning of what yeah. we not a flash in the pan at all. All right, should well, be good for the franchise. She could mm-hmm. do it for like ten true, years. True. That's I. That's a good <laughs> point a too. That's, point. I was going to say that's quite the yeah. commitment. It's just that my mind goes back to Stranger Things and how much work they put into that. Yeah. I, I do want to see her tap into uh, other genres, but yeah. mm. you know she's earned opportunities like oh, yeah. this, and I'm glad to see Marvel snatch up yet another talented individual. Yeah. And hopefully, we get to see her on stage in San Diego next week. But first, we have to tell you about some Lion King first reactions, Mm. because two of us at the table, we saw it. Roka is seeing it very, very (laughs) soon. So first, I will let you read your tweet. uh, tweet. So what's happening right now is the review embargo is not up. We were allowed to tweet brief reactions. So Simon and I have to stick to just that. But then we're going to read a few more, and Roka's going to weigh in. Sure. Okay, so I tweeted, uh, hashtag the Lion King brings a lot of new stuff to the table that makes the classic story enchanting and uplifting in a refreshing fashion. Uh, some ingenious touches really bring this version alive in a way that I was not expecting. Oh, and the movie belongs to Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. It's a delight. I want to react to so much of okay. that, and I'm going to not. <laughs> I wrote, The Lion King has always been my favorite Disney animated movie, and this new rendition is a beautiful reminder why. Happy to welcome back familiar trills, emotion, and tears. In awe of the visual wizards behind this one, Timon and Pumbaa are everything. Yep. Let's hit one more here. Let's go with Drew Taylor 
Myers tweet. He wrote, loved, loved, loved The Lion King strikes the perfect balance between devotion and innovation, a technical and emotional achievement that feels downright unparalleled. Truly, you've never seen anything like this before. And Billy Eichner steals the movie. I actually want to read one more because Mm. I have another question for you guys regarding this. Angie Hanna tweeted, The Lion King is exactly as advertised, a beat-for-beat remake of the original, impressive animation, and some ace casting choices. Beyonce is a spirited Nala. John Oliver is an ideal Zazu. Plus, the music is still thumbs up, two of those. But it's more nostalgic rehash than fresh reimagining. Mm. So, Roka, you hear all of this. Does that change your hopes and expectations for when you see the movie tonight? No, it kind of calms my uh, fears of it because I was worried if they were going to make some outlandish decisions with the story. It sounds like they didn't. And, of course, people were upset that maybe they're doing a shot-for-shot remake. This feels like a little bit better than a shot-for-shot remake. I have some notes with how Simon read his uh, read his tweet. I'll give him notes after the show <laughs> to get a little more eloquent there. But like, no, this but this excites me. Both of your both your reactions yeah. excites me. Angie's uh, reaction is uh, exciting as well. So I'm looking forward to tonight to seeing it and singing along with my friend who I'm taking, who's a massive Lion King fan, uh, because he's more of a fan of the animated film than I am. So okay. I'm going to go along and ride the wave with him and see if I enjoy it as much as he did because I loved Favreau's Jungle Book, really yeah. did. So the reason that I wanted to bring Angie's tweet into the fold right now sure. is because this is a question that we've been tossing around with the Lion King ever since the first teaser trailer mm. dropped and yep. now it feels like an even weightier conversation to be had and it's where do you guys stand on should these Disney, I can't even say live action uh, adaptations because this is is all digital minus one shot apparently, right. but do you side on them doing straight remakes like shot not necessarily shot for shot but kind of not deviating from the original story or them doing things like let's say what they did in aladdin like Mm -hmm. adding a song or maybe going the maleficent route and doing a prequel which path do you prefer Uh, personally i want to see them do something a little bit different um i think it's also a a safer bet and i think if you're going to hire a good director Mm. which they have again with john favreau uh you want them to be able to add their own little flourishes you don't want them to basically do somebody else's work um so i mean i I, personally i want to see something a little bit different not too different Mm. don't completely reinvent the wheel but I do want something in there that just makes me feel that if I'm giving this two hours of my time, I'm getting a little something else. I think it's a case-by-case basis for me, unfortunately. I can't choose one path or the other because I think it all depends on what film you're adapting into live action. Mm. I think it also matters uh, because some some stuff in the 90s that uh, certain films got away with mm-hmm. don't get away with now. I mean, we just read about Toy Story 2 eliminating that deleted scene from Prospector, whatever his name is, having a little proposition situation. That, that really wouldn't work now. So if you're going to readapt, if you're going to do an adaptation of it. I think you have to look at the material, see what works for 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. 2022, and then kind of fit it into that world. That's what I liked about Aladdin. Aladdin mm-hmm. took some interesting changes, made uh, Jasmine more of an empowered character, which yeah. I like. Did I like the song? Not at that time, no. But I liked the change that she could be Sultan as well. That was a nice addition to the situation. I enjoyed that. But hearing the reviews for Lion King, I'm like, good. I'm going to go and enjoy myself, basically re-see the movie in a live-action version, and, I won't, and I'll walk away from it feeling okay. I have to say, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the movie, but I, it was not a movie that I was particularly excited about. I didn't think we needed a mm-hmm. reimagining of this. Um, so the fact that actually I came out and it was a positive experience was, was you know, was, was really a plus for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little torn on mm. the, uh, the copy-paste versus uh, switching mm. things up because that was, that was one of my least favorite parts of Aladdin. I liked the idea. I just don't think it was executed very mm. well. And it's like, whether I like a movie or not, 
it feels very almost almost like unnatural to reward a movie that seems like a copy paste with a really high score because really like there there's obviously innovations in a lot of the movies that they've done but when they just stick to the guidelines that were already created for them mm. i hope a lot of the applause goes to the original creators too because so much of it lies there and you always have to factor in also that there's younger moviegoers out there younger moviegoers that maybe don't necessarily gravitate towards the classic disney mm. animated movies like we once did yeah. so they'll see a new movie like let's say the lion king fall in love with it and then they'll be They'll find it to be more urgent to go back and re- and watch, I guess, for the first time where it all started. Yeah, and there are a lot of people who don't like animation, who don't go see animation. They'll go see a live-action version of an animated film more readily than an animated... Like my girlfriend. My girlfriend hates animated stuff, but she'll go see a live-action thing, no problem. That upsets me so much. But <laughs> it's I've weird. Heard, I know, I've it's heard, weird. I've heard more than one person yeah. say yeah. that, like, oh, it's an- not, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, original, the original Lion King came out, obviously, around the same time as the you know original Aladdin and right. stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that was really where we started wanted to see a shift where people would stop looking at animated movies as kids films right it really was a big shift um and i think this again moves that on a, a mm-hmm. little bit more and also you've got the technological advances which you can take you know oh, uh, yeah. advantage of here and, and i have to say shout out to dolby because dolby atmos mm-hmm. the way that's utilized in this mm. it wouldn't have been possible with the animated movie and i think yeah. that just elevated in a completely uh, a different way in a really unique way all right guys we're gonna move on to momo soon but before we get there we've got some promos for you like this promo for collider heroes here's Corey for you Hi, I'm Koi Jandro, host of Collider Heroes, and I'm here to tell you we've got 20-minute episodes coming at you on Collider Video, on the YouTube, as you've always loved it. Plus, now we've got hour-long podcasts dropping every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast because it's going to get even more sweaty on the podcast. Plus, every week we're going to try to get some very special guest interviews, all of the people that help shape these movies and TV shows you love. So, video, podcast, interviews all coming at you. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Stay sweaty. On top of that, I'm going to urge you right now to head on over to Collider.com after the show because they've got this series running called How the MCU Was Made, and they tackle a different MCU movie. And today, I believe, the Ant-Man piece went up, and it's just such a great series, especially if you're a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. So much interesting information there. So Collider.com, check that out. I lied again. We're pushing Momo yet again. We're going to talk about it briefly (laughs) today. But I was just alerted. We have more breaking news. Here is the, uh, the title of this one courtesy of Variety. They're writing uh, David Fincher, Gary Oldman team for Netflix biopic on Citizen Kane screenwriter. (gasps) Are you okay? Are you okay? Hold hold. (laughs) on. Yes, yes. (laughs) David Fincher has signed on to direct his first feature film. I can't. (laughs) I'm sorry, Perry. I'm sorry. No, I'm enjoying it. I love how happy you are right now. Uh, David Fincher has signed on to direct his first feature film since 2014, a biopic revolving around Citizen Kane screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz with Gary Oldman tapped to play the titular hero. The film titled Mank is based on a script by Fincher's late father, Jack, who had penned the script prior to his death in 2003. Specific plot details are vague, but sources say the story will follow Mankiewicz's tumultuous development of the script for Citizen Kane, which would go on to be considered one of the best films of all time. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. 
Roca, are, yeah. are you okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, are you okay? Citizen Kane is my favorite film, bar none. And to see, and the Mankiewicz story with Wells, the fight over who actually wrote the script is a Hollywood legend. Mankiewicz's grandson does what we do talking about films on TCM. Yeah. He himself has defended Herman many, many times. So there's a lot of drama here to explore, and I'm excited to see who they cast as Orson Wells. One more detail for yeah, you. Sure. All right, keep the camera on him. Let's see how this changes his reaction. <laughs> oh, All right. The film will also be shot in black and white. Oh, perfect! You like perfect? And four by three <laughs> for God's sake! Freaks out. It's and it has to be four by three as well, don't you think? Uh, oh my God, that's great! I yeah, love this. Is fantastic. I quite like the sound of this yeah. too. I mean, you don't pair all of these iconic names together, yeah. and you don't not walk away sold on a project like this. I think it is brilliant. Yet another great get for the team over at Netflix. Simon, you in? Uh, yeah, do you know what? Citizen Kane is a movie that I know a lot of people love. It's a movie that's never really done it for me. Oh, really, but the Simon. story behind it is yeah. something that really, you know, really gets me going. And the fact that this is going to be in black and white, genuinely, that really excites mm-hmm. me. I'm a big fan of black and white. I can't believe really, I almost really minimized my window and stopped reading the story there. I didn't want to like, <laughs> eat up the whole showtime with reading their copy. But that was a that was a great addition. And I think yeah. I am just always drawn to movies about making movies. Yeah. Do you know what would have been really good if we'd have known that yesterday? Because Gary Oldman, I bumped into him at the Lion King there premiere. Last oh, night. Wow. Yeah. 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 I so, saw him on the way out. Could have just gone, hey, hey, Gary. Hey, man. What's up? <laughs> so, yeah. And then come here with some sort of like wonderful That's exclusive. One little scoop. I don't that know what it would have been. Yeah. All right. So I have no good transition. We're going from <laughs> Citizen Kane to Momo. Oh, boy. So here are the details on the Momo movie. According to Deadline, Orion Pictures is teaming with Roy Lee's Vertigo Entertainment to develop a movie based on the creepy viral sensation Momo. The outlet explains that Momo is actually a sculpture by a Japanese artist that was part of a 2016 gallery exhibit in Tokyo and is actually called Mother Bird, but then it was appropriated last year by folks on the internet who concocted rumors about something called Momo's Challenge, a game that encourages children to endanger or injure themselves. Okay, one, are you into this idea? And two, do you think there's a way to adapt this story to screen in... I don't know if tasteful is the right word, but my mind mm. with this story immediately goes back to Slenderman, yeah. and that movie just felt all sorts of wrong. So yep. do you think the Momo movie has potential? Um, I mean, I'm excited for the promo for Momo, especially if they cast Jason Momoa in Momo. <laughs> I think that would be good. <laughs> Wait, what is uh, the one you said earlier? Oh, Mo, like, Mo, Mo Money, Mo Momo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Get Damon Wayans back. Mo Money, Mo Momo. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> on board with this, but... It just feels a little bit like, I mean, from what I've read about it, they're going to take it outside of the kind of the uh, the online mm-hmm. side. They're going to sort of put it a bit more based on reality. And apparently the original idea came from this child catching birds type yes. character. I would, I'm on board with this, but I don't really want to see it Americanized like they did with things like Ring and, and Grudge. I really want to see this if they're going to do it set in Japan mm. with the Japanese cast. Make it something different. Otherwise, it feels like something that's kind of a little bit Blumhousey, you know, a little bit like we've seen before. Yeah, I know. I like this idea. I think it's dangerous, though. I, I agree with with Perry. The idea of Slenderman comes to mind. The fact that a lot of people tweeted about this when it was happening, saying because they were moving or uh, what are you editing these clips into children's videos, yeah. encouraging children yeah. to do terrible things to but themselves it, it was or do whatever. Just a hoax. Well, that's that's the thing about it is that there's no. It's like with Slenderman, you can go on like creepypasta right. websites and find all the stuff everywhere. Yeah, right. And with something like Momo, I believe there is no actual 
proof that these clips were embedded in YouTube videos yeah, or, YouTube or anything cl- of the sort. YouTube is claiming that there is no proof. And then I've read other articles from like Refinery29, a couple of places where people off the record have said YouTube does know. They're just waiting for this to die down before they go back in and take those down. So right. I, I think, don't know. It's I think you, the YouTube story behind huge. Momo, the Momo uh, yeah. hoax or challenge or whatever we're calling it, is an interesting idea too. Absolutely. But I, I do think you're right with this one, Simon, that they're going to go more into the legend. Uh, the article did mm. say Orion's yeah. untitled Momo project may widen the story beyond the contemporary digital age and that the original sculpture that was made yeah. that inspired all of this it was rooted in the legend of I'm never going to pronounce this right but I'm going to try <laughs> Ubumi yeah, I, I don't sure. know you be U-M-E Mm-hmm. Have fun with that. Yeah, great. Um, a venomous child snatching bird of Japanese yeah. folklore. Mm-hmm. And I am just a big fan of folklore that is from anywhere else but the United States. I'm like still bitter about the fact that I grew up with Santa Claus, but Grilla exists in Iceland. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why, why did I not live there? Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about the controversy around this, I mean, I really think they have to go hard with this because I think if they don't tackle it head on mm-hmm. and they don't look at the negative side of this, I, I think it's really underserving the main part of the story. I think it's really going to be quite a weak movie. And the worst thing you can do when you're making a horror movie is to go weak. Yeah. If, if you're going to mm-hmm. go for an R rated, really go for that R rating, really earn it, and make mm-hmm. it dark, make it controversial, and make it edgy. I would be surprised, especially given what we just saw in Child's Play, even though that's more a horror comedy, if yeah. Orion would do something like that and keep it too light, even mm-hmm. though, of course, we have Roy Lee, who's affiliated with some of the New Line movies, yeah. and, and that does feel a little more, not necessarily for Quadrant, but those movies appeal to a much wider audience than yeah. certain other horror movies out there. And I think mm-hmm. when we're dealing with the likes of It, you know, and you can go really hard, really dark, and make it really intense and scary, I think you've really got a movie that works. It's one of the reasons that Child's Play didn't work for me was the fact that I felt they went a little bit light for the majority of the movie, went hard for a little bit, but it just wasn't enough to really kind of, you know, give you yeah. the fear that you felt really- in the first Child's Play. There's an imbalance there. But, yep. but this, uh, the idea of they're good, if they go back to the original, it's like uh, child stealing, right? La Llorona is kind of like that yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the idea of stealing children, this is a horror thing that is in multiple cultures, the idea of children being stolen from you. So uh, I love this idea. I like, and if they go back to that, that's fine. If they do it as a part of weaving into c- convincing kids to throw themselves off roofs and stuff, then I'm out. But yeah. something a little more like this, where you have to fight an entity from taking your child from you, that's something else. Now, can you have an element of that in the movie where there is a video that a child is watching and it's scary and all that? Sure. But if that's the premise, of the movie then I have an issue and it sounds like they're not doing that but we've had it before with movies like Darkness Falls if you remember which mm. was a movie oh, that God, yeah. you know in the 90s again that was a, that was kind of a, <laughs> a you know a, 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 a kind of a tooth fairy that would that would take children mm. uh, we also saw it in uh, James Wan did a movie um, I can't remember what it was called it was one of the ones that one of his early movies it wasn't a great success and it was to do with dolls and again that was about um, mm. you know children uh, being uh, being taken away I've completely the, the movie completely um, Dead avoids silence? me uh, Dead Silence yeah mm. and I, so I think really if you're going to do it, I think there is a way to do it, but they're, they're going to have to face it head on. Otherwise, mm. don't do it. You know? Yeah. I'm curious to see what the official synopsis of this winds up being yeah. and also yeah. who they find to direct and uh, and pen the script. I don't think there was a writer listed on here either. So this thing will likely take a little time to get going before we hear more. But you brought up it before. So I have to yep. take a live chat question about it. Chapter two. Sure. Steve Calderon was asking us thoughts on those it chapter two images from EW. Did you guys check those out? I did see those. Mm-hmm. They look good. Yeah, they do. I mean, the, the first movie is a really tough act to follow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they really have set them, almost set themselves up for a fall. It's really got to set, because that was such a high quality movie. My hopes are high for this one. 
I just need them to deliver. I've got a lot of faith. I can't really say those images were game-changing for me because no. they're really just leading up to whatever they're going to show us at Scare Diego next mm. week, and that's where I'm going to like make up my mind more so on where my expectations lie sure. a little more mm. firmly. But I'm very hopeful that the Muschietis are going to pull it off again. And I do love the – I don't have the quote handy, but I like the quote in that EW piece where it's going to stick more, toward, more to the book, mm. and that's how they're going to incorporate the younger ensemble is that – Rather than have the adults say, hey, remember when? Now it'll be remember when and we'll actually get to revisit moments with the kids again, which I think that is one of the most genius moves, pairing both ensembles together. Yeah. Yeah. I I just took a quick look. I like it. It's got the right right amount of darkness and weight to the pictures that lets you know this is not going to be. Look, I know people love that 90s version. I am not a fan of that 90s version. This is that it movie was fantastic. Yep. This chapter two, I hope, carries on that tradition and 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 is and blows me away even more so and leaves me shaking in my boots. And Stephen King's been very positive about it so far. Yeah. I mean, he's really been on board. And some of the best Stephen King movies are the ones that are do, you know, really explore this darkness. Misery is another great example. Yeah, yeah. One great. of the movies that Stephen loves. I mean, to, to this day, that's still when I watch that, I, I wince. Yeah. I yeah. wince with that movie. You oh, really yeah. feel you know that terror that fear and that you know the darkness you really get it that movie is great and i also saw the broadway production with laurie really? metcalf and <laughs> bruce willis and hands down one of the coolest productions i've ever seen so oh, the wow. two of them were great in it and, the, and it's just it's in the story too it's just in that whole yeah. concept it'll mm. freak you out no matter where you see it but it had the house on a rotating thing on oh, the yeah. stage oh, wow. so that's how we got from room to room to room it was just so brilliantly done yeah awesome yeah i was very impressed and hopefully next week in san diego at scare diego on Wednesday night. I am impressed with that It Chapter 2 footage. Are you going to be there? I am going to be there. Yeah. yeah it's it's one right. of the few things I'm doing in the evenings. I like the sound of that. Yeah. We are going to tell you about it when we see all that footage and everything at Comic-Con mm-hmm. soon enough. We have to say goodbye for this episode of Movie Talk, though. Roka, Simon, thank, thank you, you so much pleasure. for being here. Thank you for here. having me back. Dorian, Adam, you guys rock. Thank you so much for your help, as always. To everybody out there, thank you for watching this episode of Collider Movie Talk. Do not forget to like and share it, and then tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT, live for a brand new episode. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.